How's it going down there? Pretty good. Pretty good. You seem peeved. Do I? No, I just that was just a guess. Oh. I was creating a safe space <laughs> in order for you. Well, I didn't to... want to. We did that last week where we just vented, but yeah, I did. I did wake up again, and maybe it's a Monday thing. I don't know. It's been developing hey, a pattern. We didn't vent. We raged, yeah, and there's raged. a difference. That mm-hmm. is a big difference. Yeah, it's a necessary difference. Mm-hmm. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. No, I did I did feel even more ragey this morning than I did uh, last Monday. Really? See? See? Say more about it. I think... I think that some of it has to do with um, not getting enough sleep Sunday night, uh, but also I've just like in the last couple of weeks been feeling more stressed, which is never something I say or feel stress. Um, too blessed to be stressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may try to make that a policy, but lately I think what it is is I'm not what I would call GTD compli- compliant right now. Do you know what that means? Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> but maybe for the listeners, define it. Say it for the listeners. Yeah. Uh, Getting Things Done is a book by David Allen, and uh, it's kind of an organizational workflow system that I adopted it, when I was your guys' year, Deacon, because mm. I was getting inundated with... Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't like I had any more... On my plate than inundated, dude. Mm-hmm. But I was just a terrible workflow. I was, his, he's got all these catchphrases, which I use, but one of them I, I remember like. remember when you were reading that. Yeah, one of them I like is latest and loudest. Like you just deal with um, whatever's the most recent thing that's got your attention. That's what you deal with instead of a more reasoned and disciplined approach to like getting the things done that you actually need done. The most important things first. Um, I mean, some things they come in, they're urgent. They must be dealt with. Now the toilet's overflowing your, you know, 75 page thesis is going to have to wait, but ultimately the 75 page thesis is more important than the toilet. Uh, so you need to figure out ways to properly engage with all the tasks that you have. But, uh, one of the ways that that manifests itself when I'm off the wagon is that, I constantly am looking at my phone and like opening my email and then reading through my emails, but not responding to any of them. Ah, damn it. You know, you just, you just like (laughs) seeing, is there anything in here that like, I just can't ignore? Otherwise I'm going to ruin something or (laughs) destroy a relationship. (laughs) And then I don't end up doing any of it, but I'm just aware of the stuff that I have to do, but I'm not doing it. And there are a lot of reasons why that happens, but, and and having a lot of urgent stuff urgent and important stuff happened recently where okay this has to everything else has to pause for this to be taken care of this dying person or this family that's grieving or whatever uh, but this morning it just kind of came to a boil and when i woke up i did a mental dump onto a piece of paper of everything just made a big long list of all the stuff i need to get done the next couple of days made me feel better but then i go down there and it's just the sometimes people i love them but they just the wrong wrong place, wrong time. They're like, "Hey, can I just have a quick twenty five minutes of your time mm. right now?" I can't wait. Sorry. They're like, "Oh gosh, yes, 
Yes, you can, but inside I'm going to be stewing and trying to pray for patience. So that's why. But I do. I always love talking to you guys, and I look forward to it. So what I was doing was ironing a shirt when you guys texted me. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know you ironed. Relax. I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a real tree. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I've never done that before. Well, I've never, never really had like a house that. Uh, I mean, I've lived in a house, but. Now that I'm yeah. kind of the main guy here, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit of more opportunity and responsibility to, to Christmas up my life. And um, mm. I had the idea of getting a real tree, which would mean having to get a tree stand, and I assume a tree skirt. That's what we always had when I was a kid. Yeah. And um, Gotta get one of those. figure out, probably watch some YouTube videos. I think you're supposed to saw off the bottom part of the tree like an inch of the wood just before you put it in water so that it's fresh and soaks up the water and, and you're supposed mm. to put something in the water my dad was telling me last night but the most important thing is that uh, oh, i need to get a string of lights and put them on the tree and but uh, i got all the ornaments from when we were kids nice dude <laughs> which my mom has put in the attic for years and now she just puts up a fake tree with like nice pretty decorations but all the crapola that we had from <laughs> when we were kids is still in boxes. So I, I brought down like three or four boxes of my favorite stuff. The best nice, memories. dude. So I think I'm going to toss that up this week at some point. That's awesome. Heck man. yeah, man. I'm about that. Last yeah, year, my mom, she didn't give me like, like all of them, but she gave me all my ornaments from growing up, which nice. are super great to have. Yeah, yeah. I have a few out now. Yeah. Yeah, those ornaments, man, it, it makes me laugh. We have some, like, classic, just couldn't miss them. If they're not on the tree, everybody knows ornaments. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal at the yeah. Mets household. Ones like, that are hard to hang, that have to be, like, be supervised. And there's this old ornament. Scrooge that's, like, made of glass that every, it was, like, the fanciest ornament we had, but it was also super heavy. <laughs> so I had to, a branch had to carefully be chosen and. Yeah, and it couldn't be at a certain level if there's kids around. <coughs> right. No, the numero uno most famous <laughs> ornament on the Mets Christmas tree <laughs> is, let's see, it's 46 years old. or No, even older than that. It's 48 years old. My dad <laughs> made it when he was in second grade. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it is it is called Gorp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's perfect because it's basically just a a colored styrofoam ball <laughs> with like pipe cleaner <laughs> with pipe cleaner sticking all around it. And, and so it's like indestructible, dude. But this thing looks savage, <laughs> like Gorp, Gorp, it, it's just. he got it he's got him smoking a pipe so he's got a little like (laughs) pipe cleaner that that loops around it looks like a pipe in his mouth and he's got like a goatee gorp man gorp so it's just a styrofoam head it's just a a green styrofoam (laughs) ball does he have a hat brown pipe cleaners does he have a hat on or hair no 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 hat what's that are the pipe cleaners his hair what is no, the pipe cleaners are like his ears and his eyes. Okay. And then the actual pipe. And then I think he's got like a little goatee. Hell, half the time I can't even tell if he's like up or down. Yeah. He's such a disfigured <laughs> ornament at this he point. He made him in second grade. 
it's indestructible, man. You can't. That doesn't sound indestructible to me. A, a styrofoam ball and pipe cleaners, that seems very fragile. You don't hold it gingerly when you put it up? No, hell no. <laughs> no, dude. We, we toss corp around. Am I, am, I describing, <laughs> am I describing the right thing? A styrofoam. It, it, the ball weighs almost nothing. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a styrofoam, styrofoam ball. Styrofoam I think ball. Connor's maybe wondering how the pipe cleaners don't break off. Or I mean, come like out. Stuck in head. Hmm. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> a pipe cleaner, dude, even if a pipe cleaner bends. I mean, a pipe cleaner is just metal with like fur on it. True, true. Dude, gorgeous. <laughs> Can I quote you on that? A pipe cleaner is just metal with like fur on it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great definition. A <laughs> I've never thought about describing one, but that's perfect. Hey, should we uh should we pray? Yes, we should. Father, why don't you pray? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? I thought about this topic when I was back home, talking with one of my younger brothers. And I don't know, if y'all don't have anything, this just kind of popped up. I had a topic idea, but let's hear this one. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my younger brothers is, he just proposed, actually, like right before Thanksgiving break. And him and his fiance are planning their marriage and he's trying to figure out how to do good marriage prep and where to go and like all these different programs and getting all these things lined up. And so he's kind of shared the complexities and what seems honestly like the hassle of preparing for the sacrament of marriage nowadays. And one of the things that he mentioned, which I had never thought about, is like both of them are deeply in love with the Lord. They're incredible. And... And yet, at the same time, he was still talking about, like, it's in a, a bizarre thing, like, proposing to somebody, asking to get married, when literally 50% of all marriages end in divorce. You're like, just how, like, not, not afraid he was of it, but just how daunting of, uh, of a reality, like, marriage today is, um... I think part of that came with like looking at the challenges of doing things together and, um, you know, like really planning out the wedding. Um, this is going to be forever. And like really looking that reality square in the face and saying like, whoa, with fit. I mean, it just it was an interesting thing to think about um, where even this guy and this gal who are totally committed to the Lord and very committed to one another like just the staggering number of friends, families, couples that like that have been affected by divorce. Mm-hmm. It is it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. I don't know if you've had to deal with that at all with your marriage prep, but honestly, I didn't really know what to say except that's not like that's just a number essentially. That's not you guys. So just, mm-hmm. you know, obviously stay committed and and he knew all that. Um yeah, I guess I'd never really, never really thought about it on a personal level like that. Hmm. I mean, think about that. If what if we were going into the priesthood, like fifty percent of all priests left? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> some do, and it's weird now having some peers of mine being old enough now that I have peers that are divorced, um, mm-hmm. including you know couples that were hardcore catholic and um yeah it's i mean the culture is the culture and um especially if people who come from divorced families or i mean pra- praise god i don't my my parents marriage is still 
intact and same with uh pretty much all my aunts and uncles um so yeah i, I feel very blessed that it really didn't um i mean it's some some aunts and uncles i guess some cousins too have been divorced but yeah it's it's one of those things that i mean in marriage prep it does come up with people who have experienced it in their own families and they seem more to be honest with you, those who have suffered from divorce uh, in their own families, they come to me in marriage prep a lot more willing to do whatever it takes not to have that happen, you know. Um, but that's also self-selecting because those are the people that are coming for marriage prep. But some people don't even get married, you know, but they do have children out of wedlock or start living with people. And I think just the the... A lot of times I feel like we're swimming upstream or paddling upstream trying to recover the um, the right way to do things, like the right order. It goes marriage, then sex, then children, you know, even on a natural level, much less the sacramental plane, which is all about self-sacrificial love. And we live in kind of a consumerist and individualist environment where it's like, well, I want to do what feels good right now for me. So it's it's hard. I see it uh, every day. I, th- I think as a priest, I experience it. And I think seeing people leave the priesthood, also peers. Not Thank God nobody in my class yet has left. Um, but certainly guys ahead of me that I was in seminary with. and mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah, uh, this could be maybe off where you were going with it, but honestly, what I was thinking about talking about, something that's been coming up in my prayer for a few weeks now, was, well, it started, um, maybe it's only been a week or two, really, like, pointedly, uh, but when I deer hunted over Thanksgiving break, and we've talked about this before, but always, it's just super freaky walking into the woods by yourself, and, um, but I love doing holy hours, like, in the woods, in a tree stand, or whatever, it's just awesome. But I was thinking about like just kind of reflecting over my life the past couple of years, um, et cetera, just like the different types of fear in my own life and of like, yeah, that fear that kind of crops up when you're walking into like dark woods is much different than like the fear that you experience of like a loved one is sick, which is much different than like the fear you experienced when you were like asking a girl on a date. That's what I was like thinking of. And I've just never heard terminology like, like CS, you know, the whole like, it's not CS Lewis idea, but that's what I've like read on of like the four different loves and like how there's different like words. What is that Greek in for, for love that help Mm -hmm. you kind of like differentiate these, these types of love. And maybe there is, but I've just never heard like really like good distinctions for types of Mm -hmm. fear. And so my question was in it, I want to talk to Schoenstein about this maybe, um, but it's just kind of been sitting there of like what was jesus talking about when he said to not be afraid you know like was he speaking at like these super just human level things or um you know is in some cases it's like the you know flight or fright um you know kind of like reaction etc and you know i don't know i've never heard like a real analysis of like the words he used or whatever but even like for your brother it's like yeah, I've never kind of thought about it in specifics of besides the generality that like, don't be afraid. The church goes with you. We go with you. You guys aren't a number. You're you, yeah. et cetera. But 
even kind of that notion of like, don't be afraid. It's like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to derail anything you wanted to talk oh, about, no. but <clears throat> it's funny because that was kind of what I was thinking about talking about yeah. anyway. So maybe it's a specific circumstance. That would be an interesting, interesting book, The Four Fears, if there were. Yeah, if there that's were four a fears. really cool idea. I've, I've never thought about that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and it just literally like, I mean, still to this day in my life, I've never had like, like when your guts like almost come through your mouth, you're so like <laughs> afraid as asking a girl on a yeah. date, you know? Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, it's a totally different type of fear than like when you're going to visit a loved one in the hospital or, um, you know, whatever. Or like if you're looking at your vocation and you're just like, dang, man, the rest of my life is a long time. Yeah. You know, that's a different type of fear. Yeah. Um, so maybe we found the first three nor three dogs north book topic. And mm. some fears are uh, some fears are fun. Like people want to be afraid. That's why you go to a haunted house or see a horror movie. Sure, it's cathartic. Yeah. Like I, this is weird, but uh, yesterday at mass, yeah, yesterday at mass, I had a I had a homily thought of that I was going to give, um, which I did give, but it it had more to do with the first reading than the gospel reading. And as I was reading the gospel at my first mass yesterday, I thought about, um, it's hard to describe. Like, what if I had to give a homily on just this gospel, the idea of like, stay awake instead of what I was planning on talking about. And just the idea of like ditching the plan and just going like totally winging it really freaked me out because I'm, I'm in front of all those, you know, multiple hundreds of people. Like just, it's, I don't know. It's like looking over the edge of the giant drop at Great America and pretending like you're actually at the edge of a building. And what if you jumped? You know, it's like <laughs> ugh, it just gives you it makes your palms sweat. And um, but it's also kind of thrilling and fun. But you're sure. right. There's a kind of fear that's like. Which is different. So, OK, I remember more of like the situation that helped me articulate this, too, is I shot a deer on overbreak and I was the only one at that farm. And it got dark. And so like my brother-in-law was coming with the truck and I had this deer down. So I had her tagged and everything, but I didn't have a truck there. I had my car. And so I was just waiting and coyotes like cropped up in the mm. woods, just like right across from me and start yelping. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big, like that stuff happens all the time. But I just, I called to mind. I was like, like, dang it. This, I was afraid like of just like the scenarios and you know, and then it's just like, well, you just got to be a man and yeah. like kind of hang by this deer, like realize you're the human being, yep. you know, uh, but it's <laughs> still super chain. freaky oh, when yeah. they're just like yelping away and you're just like, I was kind of down in a little goalie in a cornfield. So I'm just like waiting for truck lights as these yodis are getting like getting closer and kind of moving by. And um, so like not that big a deal, but yeah, like oh, and those are deeply embedded evolutionary <clears throat> fears, <laughs> fight which, or flight. Right, which, but I would not say that was like exhilarating or fun. No, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So well, what then is the, then? There's the fear of, um, like, I was thinking the really unpleasant one is that like desolation, the uh, that little hint or idea of this will never end. This is just the way it's going to be. You know. Sure. Um, yeah, some some very 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 subtle fears, but they're they're stretched out over long periods of time, and then like very sharp ones 
and you hear stories of guys like going into battle and yep. they oh, literally gosh. lose control of their bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like your, your, your brain is so just enraptured by fear hmm. that you, you can't even control yourself. Um, yeah. So th- there's, there's certainly, there's also yeah, stuff that, like that things. I feel is a certain like natural biological kind of fear, self-preservation, survival. But there's also a fear and maybe the, the perfect love casts out all fear or Jesus saying be not afraid has to do with, um, well, go back to the GTD thing, getting things done. Why are you sometimes afraid when there's a number calling that you don't recognize or or you get a voicemail or something like that. Um, sometimes I'm a, like, I hear my phone buzzing and I, it's not fear. It's like, ugh, just this frustration or, or anxiety. And it usually has to do with the fact that that's probably about something I don't remember, but I need to do. And I'm late on or something, you know, like that feeling of, I don't have everything sure. taken care of and therefore <laughs> new stimulus or, or somebody knocking on my door makes me anxious. Whereas if you were on top of everything, uh, like a, a new phone call coming in or a voicemail or an email or whatever, you just take it in stride. And if it's somebody's emergency, it's not your fault. So you, like you can deal with it um, without that fear, or anxiety. So the same thing has to do with, I think, like the spiritual life and, and life in general. That you can deal with. If you if you are in a state of grace in the fullest sense of like you're in communion with God and you are living in that identity as a son of God um you're like unoffendable unterrifiable in a certain sense I mean if somebody comes at you with a knife yeah you're going to be afraid but there's like that deeper fear of like the desolation fear that I'm talking about which basically goes down to like, am I going to be isolated from the source of happiness and fulfillment and love forever? (laughs) You know, I think that's maybe at the bottom of every deeply evil fear. Um, Either because of something I did or circumstances in my life, am I now excluded from the possibility of joy? Do you know what I mean? Like hell. Uh, that's That's what fear of hell is. Versus fear of suffering like jesus was afraid of the cross but he wasn't afraid of hell well maybe not i don't know yeah i don't know that's a good question i don't know yeah do you get the distinction that i'm getting at though like no but clarity on the distinction are you saying when you're afraid of something because it's your fault you know okay so you're not saying that the difference is the object that you're afraid of Um, yeah. Well, I think ultimately, again, you can explain more, but like the point I feel like is there's just deeper fears than others. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, fears that kind of infiltrate deeper parts of like at least our psyche and hearts and being than, than others. And, but I also don't think you can like read the gospels in their fullest context and, and think that like Jesus saying not to be afraid is just, you know, talking about like a, like existential self-fulfillment type thing either, you know, like when you really understand like 
the mission for which he came and like the divinization that he calls us to. Um, so it's, I mean, it's just, it's a hard question of like, what is he speaking to? You know, is it, is it super specific in that moment and how he thought about it? Or is it just like all of it or yeah, or, what? Is, it, or is it very general? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Afraid of the world because <clears throat> I've conquered the world. And yeah, because I, I even, I would guess that the different fears are more than just a quantitative difference. Like, yes, there's yes, there's a qualitative difference that you know the these different. I use Stein's kind of framework of the human person. Like, you can have the very um, superficial or just human, like physical fear. You can have the psychic fear or like a deep spiritual fear. Um, <coughs> But even there, like, yeah, I, I mean, you can have, um, a, yeah, a, a, what you were talking about, like a very profound existential fear. But see, even there, like, those things are not bad things all the time, all the time. There are bad fears and there are good fears. Like a guy running after you, trying to stab you in the head. If you're not afraid of that guy, you're, <laughs> that's not healthy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or if you, as a contingent being upon something other than yourself for some reason has no fear of like has has no existential angst um like i would honestly consider that not a normal thing because and this is one of the big things that resonated with me from baron's class is I, i wish i could remember the german phrase but um you know his who who's this guy Tillich? Oh, Tillich like always the, talks the about the ontological polarities. Yeah. of Tillich. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if if we contingent beings upon God who holds all existence in creation um, are living in a fallen <clears throat> world where our our union that we're created for with God is not ever present before our minds, there is a type of existential like deep in my being. I need somebody else, and I can't see him. Kind of fear that is is appropriate and i think in a lot of ways draws us even towards towards the lord even that is a is a is a way that the lord draws us to him um and so there's like there are good fears where if you have someone who's not afraid you have probably have like a mentally unstable person you know but even there what are the distinctions between that um or the fears that you enjoy like that i never got that I hate being scared. <laughs> that's like 80% of the fights in our house are when people jump out and scare me. Or like JP, we, we both hate it. And then we'll just punch, we'll just whip each other's butts. I hate that. Well, no yeah, and it's, it, 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 to some extent, the, the ability to be afraid is unique to human beings. Um, animals, animals are, like imitate fear um, in the sense that they like flee from pain or death, but the way that human beings and angels can't be afraid because they can't get hurt. Um, so it's kind of like the same way that Peeper says that only um, only human beings can be brave. Uh, it's, a, right. it's a unique virtue to human beings because we have a spiritual soul, but yet also can die. Um, so we can risk ourselves. Uh, so the same way with fear. It reminds me of a story that Sister Bethany Madonna told in one of these talks. Um I watched her. Have you ever listened to her? She's a sister of life. Excellent speaker. She's talked at like the focus conferences and stuff. 
Anyway, I watched a talk by her. If she's a sister of life, I'm sold. Yeah, that's she's, she's yeah. I do, I do love the <clears throat> yeah. Whatever you need to say, say it. Yeah, <laughs> she was talking about a a priest in San Francisco who was called at the rectory <clears throat> because there was a woman uh, near her parish. He was near the Golden Gate Bridge, and there was a woman who was, um, you know, going to jump off the bridge, and she. Uh, they, anyway, they called him. He was a, fri- a Franciscan friar, I think, and. He gets there and he was just a short little guy, not particularly athletic. And she's like all up in the whatever the suspension bridge thing, like on some really precarious edge where she was not easily accessible um, without some climbing. Whew. And uh, and he just go, he just starts climbing up to get her, and he's like freaking out, and uh, and she's like looking down at him and she's thinking of killing herself. But then all of a sudden she's like, you're almost there. You can do it. (laughs) Like encouraging him because she can tell he's really scared, but she's not because she's kind of resigned and she wants to die. She's so depressed or whatever, but he wants to live yet. He is risking himself to get to her. And uh, like, he didn't really even have to say a word because in, in the risking himself to get to her, she realized like somebody loves me this much or, cares about me this much um it was twofold one was she sees how much she's loved by some stranger just because she's her like she her life is valuable and two now she has to help this person so she's kind of drawn out of herself which is the kind of way to get out of that kind of funk is to have a mission that's outside of yourself because so all of a sudden she's like he goes how am i going to get down she goes i'll help you and the two of them (laughs) go down she like walks him down and helps him and then she saved but it's like he she saved him he saved her but it was through him having to get over that fear that showed how much he loved like if it weren't for fear there wouldn't have been the same love and to me that's like the agony in the garden that's some of what that's about is that jesus was afraid because he took on human flesh and that's part of his act of perfect love is that he goes through fear right so yeah, I think fear is good in that sense. That's an awesome story. That is an awesome story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it doesn't. I don't know if it answers like what I'm asking, maybe. But I mean, that's a super cool story. Yeah, that's so beautiful, dude. That rocks. Yeah. What are you asking? What's what type of fear is Jesus talking about when he says, "Don't be afraid"? Okay. Yeah. Well, when does he say it? I I only remember him saying it. Um, Walking on the water, do not fear its eye, take courage. Does he say it at the yeah, last supper yeah. too? I don't remember. What, what was uh, you, What was the one you were saying about I have conquered the world? It, yeah, what is it, like the end of John 14? It's one of the last supper discourses. Yeah, he says something like, um, yeah, maybe cast all worries aside or something like that. Don't be because I've come to, I've come to, I've, I've conquered the world so that you might have joy, like have have joy to the fullest or something like that. Mm-hmm. Dude, anytime that I try to quote that, I know, I feel so stupid. Scripture, it is a nightmare. <laughs> I hope yeah. no Protestants listen to our, our podcast because it's, it's so, so bad, scandalized. Man. Dude, did I tell you this story about, well, I don't, you know, this needs to be said. Uh, <laughs> I, gave this, I gave this relatively big talk. It was like 150 or so, 100 to 150 people back home in Atlanta, young adult crowd. This is like, you know, all the people all the really hip, cool, fun folks. And so I, you know, I wanted to give a good talk, was prepped for it, ready. 
And at some point, I'm just kind of like going off the cuff, and they're asking, doing a little Q and A, and I'm just being super cool, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah," and I'm just feeling the audience. Someone's like, "Well, how do you propose that we actually like live the Christian life?" And one of the things I mentioned was community, and I was like, "Yeah, like the Book of Sirach, it talks adamantly about just like the necessity of friendship and just how good friendship is." And I said, "Yeah, it's it says." Friendship is good. <laughs> <laughs> that, was like, that was the quote. And I, I had just read it, dude. I had read it. I had like notes there. And, like I, I know the quote relatively well. You know, a friend is like good medicine and it's a firm foundation and a strong support and all this stuff. It's a funeral and it reading. Just went, yeah. And I, I crapped it, dude. I crapped it out. And I said, a, a friend is good. Friendship is good. That was awful. Friendship is good. That was yeah. that's, Straight from Syria. Uh, that reminds me of Rocky, a line from Rocky where Mickey goes to try to convince uh, Rocky to take the fight. And um, and Mickey goes, you know, kid, it's like the Bible said, you ain't going to get a second chance. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that's in the Bible, bro. Could be. Oh, were you just reading this in your holy hour? I've been praying on this for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I've been reading through the uh, Gospel of Mark, which has been super cool. Um, just like, I don't know. Um, reading, I saw like, the it, movie. It, I never read it. Uh, the books are better. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, no, it's just, and it hasn't been like, honestly, like first and foremost in my holy hours necessarily. But it's just been something that's kind of like, I don't know, just ruminating in my mind of like, Man, like we say that all, you know, it's just like what a line from you, you point to in scripture or like John Paul II, you know, you know, like hero of mine or Nolite Timore is in the John Paul II chapel here. Like, don't be afraid, you know, which it speaks deeply, you know, I think to a lot of us. I know it does uh, to me because you can insert it in your life in in so many different ways of, of even like thinking about ordination next year and i love that yeah the gospel of john like um don't be af- don't be afraid i've overcome the world even however it's said or whatnot i have it in front uh, of me i've told you this so, so that you might have peace in me in the world you will have trouble but take courage i have conquered the world yeah man i mean that's it and and maybe maybe like maybe it's just a statement that is contingent on a relationship you know, I, I don't know like thinking about my nieces or nephews or something like that and when they're afraid like if you're with them you can tell them don't be afraid and it just like fits the context um yeah but right 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 but it's just kind of a question of like realizing there's a lot of different types of fear um and uh just over and over again you know inserting don't be afraid into that because life's tough man like you know that's that's like setting in for me too of like the more stories you hear and just even like situations you're in and stuff like life is really hard Mm -hmm. some days and you know you can just keep telling yourself like no don't be afraid like jesus is with me like i'm his i belong to him i'm his guy um which all i mean it's very powerful um but just trying to like yeah maybe let that deepen get a firmer grasp on like what exactly we're talking about is the desire in me yeah how does that take flesh yeah there's something i think that this is a strength of of catholic christianity specifically um 
that we don't shy away from the suffering and the penance and the the Lent yeah. and the Ash Wednesday and the the uh, the sh- shadow side of of a lot of this stuff, which is the way I always put it. Like if I'm giving a talk, is you look at the cross and it's I did that to you, but you did that for me. Like you can you have to take both because if it's just I did that to you, then you just it's all darkness. It's like, I'm a terrible sinner and everything I do just pounds the nails deeper into Jesus's hands. But if it's all just, you did that for me, then la la la, it's all resurrection and life. And I'm not, you know, you're never supposed to be in any sort of pain and Christianity's, you know, funerals are a celebration of life and blah, blah, blah. And there's truth in all of it, but you, you have to have that dynamic tension of, um, life, life is shot through with meaning and purpose and beauty and glory because of, Christ having taken on human flesh and and sanctified our life and opened access to him through the spirit, but it's still suffering. (laughs) It's like, there's a lot of ugliness in life and uh, the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm so suspicious of sentimentality and um, sort of saccharine type um, faith journey-ish sort of stuff where it's all, all resurrection and no cross and, um, because yeah, it's like, it just doesn't comport with reality to me that some of my deepest encounters with Christ are in suffering or, or communion with someone who is suffering where the veil gets kind of pulled back a little bit and you see a shade of what Christ really saw, which is why he suffered so much. Um, like, was that according to Balthazar? Somebody was made the point that because Jesus could could see really what sin was, it pained him all the more. Like we we don't really see how scary things really are. <laughs> you know, how much we're mm-hmm. dangling over the precipice of of death and what it cost him to save us from it. Well, and the the flip side of that as well as Stein puts it that because Jesus knew and had seen the glory and felt the glory of God. Yes. That his choice to enter into complete abandonment hmm. um, makes it all the more love-filled. Um, it's a deeper kenosis, I think, yeah. is how she works mm-hmm. it. That's, it's, yeah. And another thing. Even back to the whole, like, what started this, like, your bro getting engaged and just realizing, like, that's real... <laughs> That's real stuff. And like, at least to me, even hearing that, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's just no like, there's like no guarantees, you know, or what, like life is just Mm. very real. So, I mean, it really is something of like, you know, as a priest or Christian or friend or whatever, like you can say like, hey, I'm in this with you, like whatever I can do. And I like trust Jesus through and through on this, but like. Like the notion that, yeah, everything is just going to be like great. Just that's just a fallacy, man. Like it's just not true, you know, um, even though there's a lot of hope for it to be like really awesome and, you know, like a beautiful, a beautiful life. But um, the fear is very real, you know. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Well, it's Advent still, so maybe we should be a little bit more somber. Oh, yeah.
Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.